series being one that's called Busy. In particular, making the journey to becoming unbusy, to slowing down just a little bit. I shared that we as Americans have almost begun to wear being busy as a badge of honor. The busier we are, the more important we think we are. The more things we do, the more people should admire how many people want us to be involved in this. But it really comes at a cost. There is a point of diminishing return on that. We work so very hard to earn the money to buy the things that we then never have very little time to enjoy. We work so hard to provide for our family and then have no time to actually spend with our family enjoying those things. Nobody ever got to the end of their life and said, gosh, I wish I had spent more time at work. My biggest regret in life is that I didn't earn more money, serve on more boards, put in more hours, open another location of my business, What people at the end of their lives say is, I wish I'd taken time to smell the roses. I wish I'd taken time to be present for the ball game, for the pageant, for the recital. I wish I had lingered over meals. I wished I had taken the long way home sometimes. I wish I had enjoyed the journey instead of always trying to reach the next destination point. Now, don't think that you're getting a pastor who is easygoing and laid back and not really worried about all of that. This is one of these sermon series is getting all over my toes. If you know the personality profiles, I'm very much a type A personality. On the disc profile, I'm a high D. On um, the 16 personalities or the Myers-Briggs, I'm an assertive commander. And on the Enneagram, I'm a three. I'm an achiever. I like to do things. On our journey into ordination, we finish seminary and we apply for ordination and we get scrutinized in a three-hour interview process and a lot of paperwork. And then they give you professional development goals while you serve two years in residency. And then you come back and are scrutinized again with more interviews before they ordain you. And so I needed references when I graduated seminary and applied to begin that process And without exception, every one of my references said, my biggest concern about her is that she doesn't know how to slow down. She doesn't know how to rest. She never stops doing things. And that's true. For five and a half years, I had been in seminary while I homeschooled our two children, ran a homeschool group with 300 families in it, did retail merchandising part-time to help make ends meet, took a full load in seminary, and pastored two churches 42 miles away from me before then transferring to Gadsden First and becoming full-time on their staff while I did all the rest of that and got ready for ordination. That's what I call a crisis pace. I'm not as young as I was then, and there's an element of this that catches up with you as you go. But I have never forgotten a Disney vacation that my family took. And we were staying on Disney property, so we are getting the most out of our vacation because that's our personality too. And we're hitting the early morning park hours for those who are just staying on property. And we're hitting the late night hours for those. We stayed one night for Nights of Joy, which was a Christian concert, until after 1 a.m. in the Magic Kingdom. Went back to the room. We would get the kids in bed, and I would go and sit in the bathtub 
and log in to my seminary classes to finish the reading and work that I had to do there. I no longer share that with you as a badge of honor. I share that with you as an indictment that I didn't know how to find the right tempo for life. That kind of frenzied, harried life, I do not believe is the one that God intends for us to live. I think that is contrary to what the Bible and the witness of Jesus and the witness of the Holy Spirit would tell us we're supposed to do. If we go all the way back to the beginning when God created, that Genesis celebration of God's creative acts depict Him as creating in six days and then what did He do on the seventh? He stopped. He just stopped. And He rested. In my mind, I can't think of any being in the universe that would need to rest any less than the Almighty God. And yet He did. Enough is enough. Here's where I stop. And I enjoy all that's happened. Jesus does very similarly in his own ministry. He has about three years, as best we can conclude, for accomplishing everything he needed to do, including getting a group of ragtag young men and some other extended disciples that included men and women ready to continue this movement when he was gone. I don't know many people that feel like they can turn over a business they started by training someone for just three short years. Particularly as many times as we see they didn't get it very well. All these people who came and pressed in to be healed, who wanted to hear Him, who wanted to debate Him, who wanted to question, who just needed a touch. And yet, Jesus finds time to go away from the crowds. When God Almighty puts on human flesh and walks among us, I can't think of another human being that would need rest any less. And yet Jesus carves out time to rest because it's important to us. It's part of a healthy rhythm of life. We can't always just go and go and go. And there is a point of diminishing return where more is not better. Study after study after study are now showing us that a longer work week does not make for more productive employees. Actually shortening the work week up makes them more creative, more satisfied, and more productive in that time. I shared Wednesday night that the Nordic countries, which I'm going to try to name by memory, Sweden, Denmark, Finland, and Holland, are four of the top six producers economically. Top six in the world of economic output, and they have among the shortest work week. Did you know that more than half of Americans, even though we work longer than almost any other industrialized or developed country, we only take about half of our vacation I told you Wednesday night, if my husband were here, this is the time when he would jump up in the balcony and go, ain't that the truth? Because I'm one of the worst to not take all of my vacation. But there are about three reasons that we can look at for why we don't want to stop and slow down. The first one is because we are getting our own sense of self-worth from that. We're getting our ego fed 
by all that we do. We're finding our worth and our value in what we do. And we are not human doings. We are human beings. Let me say clearly to you that there is not a thing you can do to make God love you more than God already does. And there's not a single thing you could fail to do that would make God love you any less. You don't have to earn being worthy of the space you take up and the air that you breathe. You are because you were created beautifully and wonderfully in the image of an almighty God. What we do should flow out of the gratitude of that as we find our purpose. I'm not saying we should not have a good work ethic. Please hear me say, I'm not saying we should be lazy and everything should just be given to us. There's worth in putting in a good day's work, in working hard to achieve something, but it is not where our value is found. Our value is found in who God created us to be. God says in Isaiah, I would trade Isaiah 43, I would trade all of creation to buy you back. That's how important you are to me. That's how much I love you. The entire life of Jesus Christ is a statement of love that God so loved the world. That's me and you. That he came in Jesus Christ to live and to die and to ever live now, even praying for us and sending the Holy Spirit to help us live these lives. If we are too busy and think we are earning our worth, we are busy for the very wrong reasons. The second reason that we sometimes stay so very busy is because we don't want to pay attention to other things. It is a distraction from what we don't want to face. Many of you may have an internal voice that says really, really ugly things to you. I do. I've been on a journey of trying to shut her up for about 15 years now. She talks to me in ways I've never let anybody else talk to me. But when we get still and quiet, all of that begins to bubble up. All of the things we don't feel good about. All the ways we might feel shame for the decisions that have created part of the situations we find ourselves in. For the things we didn't do. For the things we said and we wish we hadn't. For the things we didn't say that we wish we had. For the opportunities not taken. Our brain will take that opportunity to replay all of those and we feel shame for them. My friends, that shame is not coming from God. God doesn't shame God convicts, God pricks our conscience, but only so that we will go in a better direction. That's what repentance means, is to make a U-turn and go in a different direction. That's the only reason God points out sin or mistakes or wrong directions to us, is so we can go in a different one. If you are feeling shamed, that is not coming from God. And it can be incredibly powerful to stop. Stop running from that voice and instead say, no. God says this about me. I am not defined by my worst moment. My past is not who I am. 
My worst is not all there is of me because I am a work in progress. God is continually working on me to make me, to shape me, and to form me into His image. And I don't have to feel shame. The third reason, it's kind of a consequence of being this busy, is we end up not spending time with God and not seeing where God is at work in the world around us. We become too busy to really listen to what someone needs. God sends somebody across our path that we could show compassion or kindness or love to inviting us to a moment where we make a difference in the world and we're too busy headed to the next thing. We can't do it. There's just not enough time in the day. They often tell us pastors, particularly those who like to stay on task and not be interrupted, like I plan my day, I plan my week. It has never gone as planned because something comes up. And for some personalities, that just completely tears them out of their frame. They can't stand not being able to finish what they were working on and have things getting changed. But the reality is very often, the ministry is in the interruptions rather than in the appointments that were already on the calendar. And when we are so busy, when our life has no margin, when it is scheduled to the full, we don't have time for the person that we would have noticed the furrow in their brow and the tightness in their shoulder and the sharpness in their word. And they just need a moment to know they are loved and they are heard because we're too busy. All those places where we are trying to transform our community with the life-changing grace of Jesus Christ, our mission and vision, we can become too busy for we can even become too busy for God. Don't have time for a quiet time. Don't have time to do that. My day is too full. I'll try to get it in before bed tonight. I'll try to get it in tomorrow. I'll, and tomorrow never comes because we're so busy. Jesus says to those who listen, then and now, if you're struggling hard, if you're carrying heavy loads, come follow me. Let me show you that's not my will for you. That's not what I want for you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. We don't have to earn the love and favor. We don't have to worry about what happens if we don't. We can be in a loving, gentle relationship and enjoy the life that God is giving us. I shared with the chapel that there is a relative in my extended family who wanted more than anything for her children and grandchildren to always come to her house for holidays. And in order to make them want to be there, she would bake everything that they wanted. Everybody's favorite food made it onto the menu. Everybody's favorite dessert. And she wanted them to be so happy and she would spend the entire day never sitting down. She's constantly running. Would you like another piece of pie? Do you need something to eat? Did you see this? Let me show you. She wanted them to come and be with her. But in her busyness, she was never able to be with them. I wonder if God is not calling us to evaluate the priorities that we are making. Are we truly making the main thing, the main thing. 
Have we found the right tempo for our life? Because according to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and according to the witness of Scripture, that includes a rhythm that includes rest and relaxation and joy and play. There have to be time for all of that. Even in the word recreation, we hear re-creation. In those moments of stopping, the constant work are the times when our souls and our spirits are literally healed. They are recreated. We discover who we are and who we're meant to be. In all the ways that the world tries to chip that away, God says, no, this is who you are to me. Psalm 43.10, be still and know that I am God. You have to find the right tempo that is not running yourself into exhaustion and fatigue, but includes margin, time to be unbusy. Find the right tempo for you. May the Lord our God help us to do Precisely that. We're doing prayer time during this series just a little bit differently than we have done it before. We're calling it um, Time Out in the Prayer Chair. And if you raise children or are raising children or have watched anybody else raise them, you have probably heard of a timeout. My kids got a lot of timeouts. One's upstairs. He'd be happy to confirm that for you. There were times that mama was the one who needed the timeout. So I would send them to their room because mama needed to regroup. We often get a timeout when we need a break. Perhaps we need to think about the consequences of our actions. Or we just need a break in the intensity. Perhaps we're spiraling emotionally. And we need to get some perspective. Perhaps we just need to get quiet so we can change the course of action and figure out what that change direction is. In this series, we're giving ourselves a timeout and we're sending ourselves to the prayer chair instead of the timeout chair. This is a time for letting go of the things we don't need that are weighing us down. Sometimes in the church world, we call those things by big words, confession, assurance, petition. Just three ways of talking about connecting with God. Sharing our heart, sharing our mind, sharing our emotions, and waiting to see what God might say. In confession, we let go of regret about the past. We unburden our hearts. We can't change it. We can simply learn and move forward. Then we remember the promise and the assurance that God will never abandon us, never leave us or forsake us, that no matter what, even when we feel alone, we often discover that we are the one who is distant. And in petitions, 
We carry to the one who can do something the things that we cannot do anything about. We acknowledge that we can't control everything and that worry doesn't help. And we give it all to the loving God who holds us close and rocks us gently. My hope is that you will designate a prayer chair in your home and find time to send yourself to a timeout every day. I want to show you a picture of mine in my house. You have to tilt your head sideways to see it. And your prayer chair may change. It may be on a back porch on a pretty day. It may be snuggled under your bed sheets some days. But find a moment to be with God. To think about the things that burden you. And we have a God box down front. The pink piece of paper that you have is to write some of those things on and give it to God. We suggested Wednesday night you might decorate your own prayer box at home. And I told you that stressed me out. I don't have time for that. But a bowl works just as well. To write it and give it to God each day. So let's do that together. Let's start with just a moment of silence. I invite you to sit comfortably and close your eyes. It's okay not to try to find words to fill this time. It's also okay if your thoughts won't quiet down. Just find a stillness. Perhaps calling attention to your feet on the floor, your hands in your lap. The gentle music around you and as you breathe in and out. Here in the presence of our God, there is nothing expected of you right now. There's nowhere you need to go. Nowhere you must be. Just being with God is enough. is a friend who claims us, cools the heat and slows the pace. God it is who speaks and names us, knows our being, touches base, making space within our thinking, lifting shades to show the sun. Raising courage when we're shrinking, finding scope for faith begun. For the times when we have run ourselves and others ragged, 
God, forgive us for the times when we have asked of ourselves too much or too little. God, forgive us. Help us find the right tempos for the right times. Help us be gentle in our learning and growing with ourselves and with others. Help us step back when the toxic and overbearing pace of life that we believe we must adhere to and live up to in some external ideal threatens to tear down our connections, our connections to life, to love, and to you. In this moment, we hear your promise. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You do not ask us to destroy ourselves in order to please you. We are your children, created by you, in your image, with whom you are pleased just because. We bring our petitions to you this day, O oh God. There are people that we carry on our hearts that we are worried about. Yet, Lord, we know that you care even more than we do. We lift today the names of Louise Ballinger, Yvonne Alt, Angelica Garcia, Walter Mitchum, Linda Rainwater, and Karen Harmon. We also lift to you those that we carry on our hearts, even if we haven't named them out loud. For Lord, we know that you know their situations. Help us to not be too busy to offer, to dry tears, to hold hands, to be listening ears and strong shoulders, to be the body of Christ. For it is as following Christ, as disciples that we pray, as He taught us to pray, as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. At this time,